Is that a cadaver walking around your living room? This is giving me the heebie-jeebies. I'm Amit Power. Artificial intelligence is coming to regional anesthesia. Is it the rise of the robots, or is your machine just trash-talking you? I'm Jeff Gadsden. And this is... Block It Like It's Hot. Hey Jeff, how you been? We're back here for episode four, which we have called Gadsden's Gadgets and Powers Paraphernalia, our fave bits of kit. How are you, man? Episode four, who knew? One, two, three, and to the four. Amit and Jeff here to block your duck door. Oh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like I'll take it. that. I'll take that back. That's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, it's all good. It's all good. Hey man, how are you? How has your week been? Uh, my week has been uh, has been pretty great, actually. It's been a pretty fab week. Um, I've had a couple of weeks since we since we last uh, did our recording. So the, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I've got stuck into to covering everything. We've done lots of upper limb, lower limb trunks, and I've even had some trainee free days. So it was really weird doing the blocks by myself and and saying to myself, "Okay, Amit, show me the tip." Uh, no, that's not the tip. Show me where you're going, not where you've been. So I was kind of doing the lines that I normally do for my trainees, but to just, myself. Just for yourself. That's yeah. That's nice. I like it. It's heartwarming. I, mean, I feel sorry for my trainees because they're brilliant, but they must get so bored of hearing me say the same stuff again. You must have some Jeff-isms. There must be some things that you say all the time. Oh, my God. I, I shudder to think of the, the small the small booklet my trainees could write about my Jeffisms, a lot of it's unconscious at this point, but like, you know, s- scrape the paint off the artery. That's one. Um, I love that one, though. I love that one. It's pretty yeah. it, it tells you exactly what to do. Yeah. 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 As long as they don't get into the bucket of paint in the artery. That's that's <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure they get tired of hearing about unzippering. I never I never get tired <laughs> of hearing you talking about unzippering. Well, I- I don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't get tired of talking about it. But hey, listen, if any current or former trainees of mine are listening, feel free to chime in and tell us what uh, what things we do say that uh, yeah. that are that maybe we should stop. Oh, I mean, I, I definitely changed some of the things that I used to say. When I think back to, to, to some of the things I used to say in the past, I don't think they're necessarily appropriate in, in the current in the current era so I, i've had to be a little bit conscious about what i've said but i'm sure there'd be things that i don't remember that w- that we would hear about but listen what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks man uh it's been good yeah we actually had a retreat with our regional team which was just fantastic so we blocked off most of a saturday at an off-campus blocked location off. oh very uh, good i like that uh-huh see even when i'm not thinking about regional um <laughs> So yeah, got it. Got into a, a conference room and and sort of locked ourselves in and, and didn't emerge until we'd answered the question. You know, who do we want to be as Duke Rap in the next five years? It was great. It was amazing. And I'm so I really feel fortunate to be part of a extremely talented, creative, and hardworking team. And uh, yeah, we came away with a renewed sense of purpose and a vision for going forward. And and then of course there was a you know boozy dinner afterwards and stuff. So it was good. My God, that sounds amazing and like and a very cool. I can imagine that kind of getting together, deciding what you want to do with the future of the department and what difference you want to make. That's fabulous. Yeah. But listen, you know. I've, I've got to tell you, after our last episode, which of course was on knees, 
I've got to tell you, I had the most amazing experience. I uh, work with the knee surgeon regularly uh, who actually tweeted about this experience. I'm going to share some of it without giving away any patient information. So, you know, you kind of educated and reinforced the Gadsden 27 block uh, technique, uh, which we got some we got <laughs> sure. some, uh, some flack for on Twitter, but that's all good. It's all good. But the one thing that I wasn't consistently doing out of that recipe was adding in the anti-affirmative cutaneous nerves. So right. three or four days after the episode, dropped uh, I, I had a list and i did the full recipe for a patient who's having spinal anesthesia and the surgeon for the th- i can't i can't remember this ever happening in my career the surgeon who's a good friend of mine rags he called me up uh at the in the early afternoon and said oh my goodness amit this patient is insane they're up and about and they're walking and they're pain-free and they're fully flexing and extending <laughs> the knee it was an absolute game changer so ah, um, it's so good to hear it was great it, yeah, wow. that was that was fabulous uh and then you, you know i actually timed i so i had two other two other fellows i worked with we talked about the chris regularly um so the fellow that was doing that was uh was nula so nula was working with me for that case and then a few days later, I had one of my other fellows, this is Maria. So Maria was working with me, and I timed her. Because, of course, we got some 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 flack about how long it was going to take to do all of these blocks. So I timed Maria, and she did all of the uh, the GA blocks, everything plus the lidocaine femoral, in 12 minutes. That's not bad, man. That is pretty good. That is, I mean, I told you our record was like 9 minutes and something. So 12 is pretty darn close. And actually, that was the first time... Uh, that Maria had been doing out of plane geniculars, so she oh, really pushed herself. And well said, done, I, I Maria! Was, I, I was really chuffed yeah, with that. That's and, amazing. You know, something else happened that was really exciting. Uh, one of how was your chuff chart that day? Uh, my chuff chart. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> my chuff chart was off the scale, right? Uh, and I'm pretty sure I, you know, I called Nula up afterwards to tell her how excited the surgeon was. So I'm pretty sure sh- her chuff chart was high, uh, and I think uh, Maria couldn't quite believe that she managed to to knock out all of those injections, <laughs> having been prepped in that time. So I think we were all chuffing happy. So that was great. Uh, <laughs> there was there was something else uh, that I wanted to share. So there's an anesthetist called Mitch from Newcastle who reached out to us via our Twitter channel to tell us that he had adapted uh, or adopted rather our technique for a patient having a revision knee and he was really really impressed with the analgesic benefit he had and how much opioid reduction it achieved so Mitch thank you so much for listening we're really happy that made a difference yeah thanks Mitch Uh, and I've got a couple more things to say Uh, I last week I also managed to get out there and I met Rosie Hogg one of our good friends from the regional anesthesia and, uh, and Pocus World and managed to give her give her one of our block it like it's hot mugs nice um, representing absolutely so she was pretty chuffed with that and then unfortunately I'm now in trouble with the theatre manager at Cleveland Clinic London Ian Coyne because he saw that I'd given a mug away and now he wants one so at some stage <laughs> Jeff before the end of this episode we're going to have to think up with a, uh, of a competition a question mug right? contest yeah mug okay contest. yeah have we got any more shout outs Jeff we do, yes. We've had some good traffic. Thanks so much for all of you that are um, giving some feedback on social media. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Sophia from Brazil who says, love your podcast. You guys sound like a married couple. <laughs> <Can you tell? laughs> uh, fair, fair, yeah, tough, but, yeah, tough yeah. but fair. Can you yeah. talk about uh, best tips for teaching students and trainees? Uh, yeah, 
that's that's on our list. We're going to do that. It's totally on the list. There was also a message uh, that we got, uh, or a tweet we got on Twitter from Taras Grosh from uh, from UPenn, and he he messaged us about a recent FDA approval for uh, an artificial intelligence system. So we're going to be talking about that at some stage. So I'll, I'll, I'll won't give any spoilers. And then of course this is um, this is episode four, uh, and so Raj Gupta tweeted us and said, "Well, why didn't you call it?" A New Hope episode four going with the Star Wars vibe. So yeah, <laughs> thanks, thanks guys for for yeah. jumping in. We should have timed this for for May the fourth. Yeah, we should have done right. What's going to be happening on May the fourth? Well, did you do that on purpose? May the fourth be with you. And there's there's something happening in May the fourth and May the fifth. Uh, what could it 2023? be? Well, Jeff, it's R U K twenty three. What could oh be that god. rhymed? Oh my god, that was a rap. That was the rap there. <laughs> that, that's it. We're done. Be- Okay. Yeah, so Jeff, REUK23 is going to be in Newcastle in the UK, the 4th or 5th of May. Um, and I, I know this guy called Jeff Gaz, and he's going to be there. Um, and actually, we may have a date on stage, right? We do. We do. Yeah, we've got a pro-con debate coming up. and uh, uh, we'll, we'll be taking bets, side bets. Absolutely. Please do check out the REUK website. Check out the hashtag REUK23 and, and book your place. Now, Jeff, before we get in, I've got one joke for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm scared to ask. Okay, go, go for it. Jeff, what is an elephant's favorite type of block? Go ahead. A trunk block. Oh of my course. god! <laughs> okay, that was good. That that was. Okay, thank you. You got me, loling here. Okay, excellent. Um, <laughs> that's good. All right, dad joke check. So, Amit, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today's topic, Jeff, is gadgets. I love gadgets and cool pieces of tech. So I think yeah, you like gadgets too, right? Yeah, love them. So I figured, you know, why don't we start by discussing various tools that we both use and the potential benefits from them. And I think it would be cool to start with something that I know you've been interested in before, and that is injection pressure monitoring with a view to minimizing nerve injury. First things first, Jeff, do we need to use injection pressure monitoring? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. There's good evidence, both in cadavers and animals, and there's some human evidence too, live human evidence, that um, there's an association between high opening injection pressure and nerve injury. The question becomes, you know, once you begin to inject local anesthetic at a nerve or near a nerve or into a nerve, the damage could be done. And so if ultrasound isn't perfect and if nerve stimulation, which of course we're both using, right, Amit, isn't, <laughs> isn't perfect. To be revealed. <laughs> isn't perfect then is there something else that can fill in that gap? And and we do have, as I said, some evidence that injection pressure monitoring can alert you to a hazardous needle-nerve relationship. It's not perfect. It's very nonspecific. You can have high injection pressure for a variety of reasons. Your needle could be lodged in a tendon. It could be clotted with blood. It could be uh, up against a bone or all, all other manner of, of reasons for having high resistance to injection. But it's really really sensitive in in compared to nerve stimulation or paresthesia it is way more sensitive at telling you that your needle is touching a nerve uh, when you go to inject on it so 15 psi is a sort of cutoff that we believe based on the the animal and cadaver evidence is a good sort of cutoff so you can if you can keep your 
injection pressure below that throughout the course of the injection, you're probably in a safe space. And you're not going to cause harm. Now, do I use it every, every case? No. For fascial plane blocks, I don't think there's a real use case there. Even for some of the peripheral nerve blocks, I, I, I won't use it. But for the, the high risk ones, I think interscaling is a great case. And I think popliteal sciatic is a great case to use injection pressure monitoring. Yeah, so it's interesting. So we, we've had a play with some stuff. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I really like what you've done there. So you're kind of risk stratifying the indications when you might use it. And that kind of makes sense. Because I think the problem is whenever you introduce something or a technology into the mix, that isn't commonplace. People kind of think it's got to be an all or nothing phenomenon. They're like, either we're going to use injection pressure monitoring for everything, or we're not going to use it. What we don't necessarily do is think, well, actually, hold on, which situations am I really worried yeah. about it? So for example, yes, supraclavicular brachial plexus block used to be my go-to block for upper limb surgery. Oh my God. Is this the moment you tell me that you're now team InfraClav? Well, I don't want to give it away, but yeah, yeah, okay. Wait, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so listen, I don't enjoy doing supraclavicular brachial plexus blocks anymore because even though I considered myself to be an expert at intraplexus hydrodissection techniques or a certain experience of doing it. Shudder. It gives me the heebie-jeebies now. Have you used that term already, heebie-jeebies? Yeah, that one That one I know. Peter <laughs> okay, Pointer okay. Didn't, yeah. didn't know that one. Heebie-jeebies, I'm all over that. Okay. So it, it actually, so, you know, I... I <laughs> I, we're going off ta off tangent now, but that's kind of the way we roll here. So I had one list when I was by myself, and I had a number of patients all having upper limb brachial plexus blocks or needing to have them. So I went from axillary, uh, supraclavicular, and infraclavicular. I did them all. I sort of ran through them all, and I have to be honest that the block that made me feel the most uncomfortable was the supraclavicular brachial plexus block because the way that I do it to get a degree of certainty, uh, you know, decent time block onset, etc., it was too aggressive. And actually, I still find it too aggressive. So maybe, wow. maybe using an injection pressure device would be useful. So I've, I kind of used some of the initial stuff that were um, that were produced, the plastic ones that you put in line with your injection syringe, the B-Smart devices, I think they were mm -hmm. called. They were okay. An extra piece of kit you had to purchase. I don't know, I just, I didn't, I didn't vibe with them so much. But there is a new product on the market. Uh, I have no conflict of interest, but it's called the Safira, safe injection for regional anesthesia device, the Safira device. Now that is cool. I have had a play with that. Uh, it's a, an electronic uh, or a battery-operated syringe driver that comes with specially fitted syringes. And what that does, it has either a palm operator or a foot operator. So essentially, you can hold the needle and you can control aspiration and injection either by using a palm operator or your foot. And it has a fixed slow rate of injection. And if the injection pressure is high, it won't inject. So that is a cool oh, that's device. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Have you had a, Have you had a play with that? I've seen it at a meeting. I forget where it was, but I, I sort of, yeah, I played with the foot pedal a bit and uh, I was impressed with the idea that it'll just, it'll just stop if, if it gets to, yeah. I, think, if, I think it was 15 PSI, right? That's right, exactly. Yeah. But what, what's interesting is in the same way that you were talking about, if you're in a fascial plane, so I use it for a whole host of different blocks. If you're in a fascial plane or you're up against a transverse process trying to do an erectile spiny plane block, again, you'll have an issue because it will detect that high pressure so it won't let you inject in those areas. So um, I think depending upon where you're using it and how, you know, I'm, I'm still very early on with using it. I haven't used it, probably used it about 30 or 40 times. One of the main advantages I think it has is if you're not somebody like me, I, I, I like to do the injection myself, so I'm a self-injector. Um, but if you're not someone who does that, what this does will, by virtue of the fact it's administering the local anesthetic in a slow and controlled manner, 
you end up using less local anesthetic than you would do if you'd said to somebody aspirate inject a mil or aspirate inject two cc's because effectively when you see what the spread you need to you stop injecting and and even for myself i managed to reduce the volume of some of the blocks that i did so i think it's interesting i think it's one of those watch this space uh, areas and it may well have some 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 decent value well i think you've touched on the one of the key points there and that is you amit power are not always the one with your finger on your thumb on the plunger so yes we'll do blocks all over the hospital and it sometimes we have to hand this range over to a emergency room nurse who is not used to doesn't have a hand feel for what uh-huh. what's a tight injection pressure feel like and so that objective sort of stop um or or at least a monitor uh is is very very useful god you know god forbid it's the the orthopedic registrar who's uh you know <laughs> white white knuckling this the syringe you know, done wait what you're done already that's 20 mils well you know it's funny you should say that i've had, I've had <laughs> one of my first femoral nerve locks with ultrasound was with an anesthetic uh, practitioner who was not um au fait with ultrasound guided blocks he was used to the you get a twitch bam drop down the current smash in the local so i remember i was trying i was trying to do this femoral nerve block i was like oh, okay aspirate and he said yeah and i said you know just inject a bit and then i was looking i didn't see anything on the screen i went aspirate again he said what are you talking about i've injected it all so literally when i said inject <laughs> he slammed in that was the it. 20 cc's yeah exactly <laughs> it's interesting that what, what you're saying is that not everybody's going to be happy to do the injection themselves so this may well have a role where it allows it puts the 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 person who's got the needle back into control but without compromising their needling techniques they can focus on getting great hand-eye coordination holding the needle but they've got another way of doing it so this may well have a role yeah it's pretty cool and and I i should probably just mention for our listeners that there you don't have to have extra kit to monitor injection pressure there's um you know ban sui who's now at stanford came up with this uh really clever idea using Boyle's law now when's the last time you thought about Boyle's law um probably he's gonna he's gonna say like noon today or something no i wish it was no it was it was the last time i did my exam (laughs) a long time ago a long time right so yeah physics stuff anyway so too long didn't read version of this is if you hold a syringe upright and have some fluid and some gas if you let's say you have a 20 mil syringe you have 10 of local and 10 of air if you never let that 10 of air get to half its original volume you'll never double the pressure in the system and the pressure of atmosphere is you know 14.7 psi oh how convenient that's really close to 15 psi so just never let that air bubble get to half its original volume and you won't expose the nerve to injurious pressure do you remember what the acronym is for that technique uh, the Kate technique. Oh, look com- at you. Yeah, Compressed com- air injection technique or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. I, right. I thought I was going to yeah. catch you out there. That's too oh, cool. Mate. Okay. Mate. I'm all over the Kate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. oh, my God. We're coming out with so many rhymes. This is on fire. Um- <laughs> hey, man, how cool would it be if you could put a probe on a patient and the image would tell you where the nerve or the vessel or the muscle would be like I'm talking artificial intelligence. Wow, man, artificial intelligence would be very cool. And I this is a this is um this is a subject that's very close to my heart because I'm aware of at least three devices that do this already. 
that would be very very cool and in fact i remember many years ago talking to people and and they were talking just like we were sort of saying wouldn't it be really amazing but actually i never thought i'd see the day when it happened and actually um i have i'm aware of one product product called scan now from intelligent ultrasound which right. you hook up to your machine it slaves the image and they've put lots of work into um, you know, it, teaching this machine how to interpret images from a certain number of blocks. And, and this stuff is clever. You, you feed your image in and it will highlight muscles, it will highlight arteries, it will highlight nerves. So that is very cool. And there are a couple of other systems. There's a GE system and Mindray machines that have this inbuilt technology. Have you used any of these already? I've seen the ScanNav one. It's uh, yeah. it's really cool. <clears throat> the one I've had experience with personally is another product called Nerve Blocks with an X. Ooh. And it's from um, a group from Turkey, actually, that, that developed this. But it... Uh, it, same idea. It, it paints over the tissues, so muscle, you know, middle scaling, anterior scaling. Oh, there's the artery, and there your there's your brachial plexus kind of thing. And what's what's fascinating about this to me is is the number of scans that, like just normal scans, that they had to feed into this computer and correct the computer as it was learning how to identify. Like it's in the tens and tens and tens of thousands. But it's pretty, it's pretty darn accurate. Like it's, it's impressive. It is impressive. Now, what I'm interested to know is how would you envisage this type of technology being used in clinical practice? Because, you know, we currently you go to a course and you'll go to a workshop and someone will teach you something or you watch a video. How are you going to integrate stuff like this into into clinical practice? Where do you see it having a role? That's a great question. I, I think it's the I think it's the beginner, the novice who is putting the probe on the neck or the groin or wherever for the first time and thinking, you know, there's so much to think about in terms of image acquisition before you even get to how do I put the needle there. But so if you can give them a crutch for those first 10, 15, 20 procedures so they can get, okay, yeah, right. That's the relationship I'm looking for. That's the plura that's the fascia iliaca. I think that's, and then they just turn it off. Seeing that that's, and that's the bit that I think you've nailed, you see, because I've seen people using this technology and and, have, and not quite figure out what to do. So either, uh, and, and this is where having a, a dual uh, display or having everything on one display may show differential learning patterns. So I think if you've got an image overlay and that's the only image you've got to look at you've got to know so I, I my my understanding is you I think you'd have a look you think I've been to the course can I decide what the structures are so what if I was to take a best guess what would I say so I think you've got to put some effort in yourself then you turn on the artificial intelligence and say ah does that correlate and if it does correlate you turn it off and you do your block where I think it could get dangerous is if you try to do the block with the image overlay on because then you don't see the structures you don't see the borders and also if you've got a dual display you've got to work out at what point you're going to look to the other screen at what point you can look to the main screen so i think i think we'll have to train people how to train with the ai but i think it's very cool so we were actually doing a study i won't give away any of the results because i well because i don't know all of the results yet but we we were effectively uh, teaching a group of novices uh, and and they all got given um the basic uh the same basic teaching at ultrasound stations about how to do certain blocks and then we then took them off into an assessment area and half of them were able to reproduce the the block view using the assistance of, of the artificial intelligence and half of them weren't 
And it was interesting to see there's many factors involved here, but certainly those that decided to use the artificial intelligence to help them, it helped to corroborate what they're looking for. So it'd be interesting to see that, that study when it comes out uh, and see exactly what the results show. But I think there's, there, there's, there's merit in it, definitely. Cool stuff. I mean, it gets to kind of the question of how do you, and we're going to have a whole episode on teaching and teaching tricks and that sort of thing, but you know, I, I struggle sometimes with the idea of, okay, I've got this brand new trainee. What do I take them through that's not actually sticking a needle in a live patient mm. uh, so I can get a sense of their competence before they, you know, jam a needle into somebody's neck? Yeah. Different solutions to that problem, but uh, this might be another way to sort of accelerate that learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's some there's some other cool stuff that I've seen on some of the machines. Some of the machines, so I always find when you know, if someone's doing a block and I kind of say, well, you know, take your needle over there and they go, where? And I say, right over there. And they think, what are you talking about? Well, actually, one of the one of the companies that, uh, that I do some work for, GE, they've got a scribble pad function. So you can actually draw on the screen. So you can, um, let's say you're doing, you know, a block and you want to highlight some a vessel in the way and they can't quite see it. You can actually activate a function and draw around the vessel or you can draw an arrow and you know with some basic trigonometry and say this is the needle trajectory you're aiming for you can highlight structures yeah so, yeah so all these machines are definitely moving forward it's great to see innovation coming with these machines and that's something that i think you know will only get better yeah totally now also how cool would it be if you could control the ultrasound machine with your voice machine increase depth turn down the gain yeah do you know any machines that do any of this stuff <laughs> no but i want one okay. <laughs> Oh. It would be cool, right? And I want it to talk back to me. So if I say, like, machine, increase the depth. Of course, Jeff. <laughs> um, and, then, and then, you know, as the as day, day gets on, the machine gets more and more sort of grumpy and sarcastic. You know, is that not enough depth for you today, Jeff? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you did this block last time with not as much depth. You're getting you slow, sure? old yeah. man. <laughs> no, I, could, I could totally imagine that I could totally imagine that it would be interesting though they would have to teach these <laughs> machines to be very sensitive to accents right because there are so <laughs> many accents out there and we all we've all got some friends oh, and colleagues who've got as, different as accents heard. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not going to do any accents I'm going to try one episode with no accents okay so so, so, so there is actually a machine so Mindray have a, a machine out on the market um, where you can ask it to do stuff so I don't know how effective it is I've not used it but I know the technology is there so that's cool man watch this space mind ray fantastic but if it's not a sarcastic machine i don't want to hear about it <laughs> yeah, okay. now you talked a little bit about how you can train a brand new trainee before they've got to do stuff so i want to talk about anatomy apps so these are cool gadgets do you use anatomy apps i know the answer to this of course but what <laughs> do you use and how do you use them yeah, I, I, th I, I agree. So, so useful for getting your head around. So the QL block is a, is a good example, right? Like when people started talking about the Cordatus lumborum block, I'm like, what? What is that a muscle? Did I miss this muscle in anatomy oh class? Oh my God, I'm so happy you said that. I thought the same thing. I'm like, QL pauses to look up Q. Oh yeah, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, QL. Um, but, but being able to... to peel away the layer skin muscle fascia and then and then reverse you know overlay stuff on top of that as you wish it has been a remarkable so i just i use one that i got off the the mac app store it's called um human anatomy atlas 
2019. I think it's the last version they had, but but it's it's really good. And and you you I've seen you use some really really wild augmented reality one, right? Like yeah. So I've you know I'm I'm very lucky that I've kind of I was introduced. I, 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 there was a trainee of mine many years ago. So I was trying to draw something on a piece of paper. Uh, it was super clavicular, very complex plot. I was trying to draw the relationship of the first rib and stuff. And I was doing this on the back of an operating theatre list. And he's like, oh, Dr. Power, just give me a second. And he opens up his iPad and he and he shows me this app. And I was absolutely blown away. So I use an app by 3D4 Medical. Um, there are various iterations. I started off using Visible Body, then Essential Anatomy 5. And now I'm using Complete Anatomy. These apps are crazy. So exactly as you say, you can manipulate a structure in 3D. You can peel layers off. You can highlight. You can fade. You can isolate structures. But the bit that I started playing with recently was this augmented reality where you can effectively get your 3D model, move it around, peel back the layers you want to, and then superimpose it into uh, space, whatever you're looking, whatever your iPad or, <laughs> I, I, or um, iPhone Please. is looking at. Please tell me you have like cadavers walking down the street in London. Yeah, well, 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 not not in the bedroom and not in the kitchen, but no, we have had them in the dining room. So I put <laughs> oh a cadaver God. on the dining room, and actually, um, uh, you know, we'll do a block, right? So we'll do a block, and I'll say to the trainee, "Wow, oh, you know, how did you think that went?" And then I get them to walk through the block using the phone to zoom in on the area where they would insert the needle. And, and I say, you, you know, you were hitting bone there when you did the paraversal. That's why that was you hitting the costo-transverse junction. And and it's amazing. You can actually peel layers away. And in fact, I, I did one video on, on Instagram where I actually walked inside the body. But yeah, there's there are, there I remember are that. crazy things. Yeah. Oh, hey, what was... Just speaking of white, what was the name of that body again? It was. Um... You mean the really ripped, muscular body that was using that? Well, yeah, it was Jeff. The, the oh, guy yeah. was called Jeff. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and also, these anatomy apps, you know, they're great because um, it, as long as you give them credit, you can use them in uh, in lectures. And I know you use them in your videos, and I use them in my lectures. And it's it's incredible. It's 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 a really great way to teach because talking about anatomy sometimes uh, in lectures can be difficult to engage attention and. And actually, this is a great way to bring anatomy to life. So that's a great bit of tech. I love that. Totally agree. So taking that one step further, like how about VR headsets? So now I know that a program exists for it and I haven't used it. There's a colleague of mine uh, in London called Boyne Ballou. He has started doing some work with virtual anatomy classes using VR headsets. Now that oh, would be great. Cool. You could have yeah. everyone looking at the same stuff you're doing. You're pulling layers away. That would be amazing. So I haven't had experience with that, but I want to. But we've used VR headsets for in lieu of sedation. So we've we've got three um, uh, VR headsets at, at, at Guy's and St. Thomas's, and we've started using it for some patients in lieu of giving sedation for them having surgery under regional anesthesia. And it's really interesting because some patients, it literally, you know, it occupies them. They're completely distracted. But of course, you've got to pick the right scene because you don't want them going on a roller coaster and moving around whilst they're doing delicate hand <laughs> surgery. <laughs> have you have you guys had any experience with VR headset? Um, no. Uh, it's funny you say that, though, because that was one of the things that we came out of our uh, retreat was that that would be a cool area to explore. And you know, see how that could help reduce anesthetic requirements, sedation yeah. requirement, and, and satisfaction and all that kind of stuff. Now, um, okay, so VR headset's cool. There's potential there. We know some people that are using them. There are two other things that are moving on that are slightly different but linked. 
Google Glass. Have you used a Google Glass type of device either to record a block so you get the anesthetic eye view because that would be cool as a training thing or um, as uh, some kind of um, eye tracking thing or a virtual ultrasound screen? Have you, have you, I mean, have you used any of those type of devices? Because that would be very cool. Yeah, so haven't haven't personally, but I have. I'm aware of at least one study done out of Stanford that uh, where they used that and had a sort of a heads up display of the ultrasound screen while they were looking down. Their gaze was directed at the patient's skin and the hands and the needle and stuff. Oh so they could, my goodness! They didn't have to like sort of tilt their head up and down. They, it's all one. So hold on. So you're view. looking down at the area, and you can see your hand going into the skin. And on top of that, you can see projected the ultrasound image. Yeah, that, that's my understanding of, of what they can see. But well, I saw that, somebody. Yeah. I thought. I, I think I saw somebody from Turkey post a video of that. That sounds very, very cool. Yeah, um, Ken Aksu did that. He he was posting about that. Yeah, there you go. I thought so, right? Okay, yeah. so so I so I need to get get hold of that. That'd be great. So anyone listening from these device companies that would like to loan Jeff and I some of this stuff for evaluation on the podcast, please reach out to us. We would love to do that. Now, what about training gadgets? Because we talked a little bit about learning anatomy. We talked a little bit about uh, ultrasound machines and where they're going and AI. But I, the, one of the problems that we have in the UK is now regional anesthesia. The great thing is, is regional anesthesia um, has now become a core part of the curriculum for trainees coming out. So whilst it was in the curriculum before, now it's one of the core 14 modules that people have got to, to, to tick off to become a specialist in anesthesia, um, which means that we need to make sure we increase the level of exposure that trainees get to regional anesthesia often there aren't as many opportunities for everybody and it can vary across the region so phantoms i'm talking phantoms and i'm not talking about phantom menace um we're going back to the star wars vibe i'm talking about phantoms now i remember back in 2014 surprise surprise you and i were together i got some photographs of this with a paravertebral block trainer um this was super cool Ooh, right i'm glad that's what you said i, I thought you're gonna go somewhere else with that. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, that that's not that's some are stories we... are not told. Alice. Exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry, you've distracted me now, Jeff. Right, so we have a phantom, uh, and th and this phantom, you stick a needle in, and you get an a translated image on a computer of where your needle is in three D space or this virtual model. But the next level was you then suck a virtual probe on top of the phantom. And on another screen, that shows you where your needle was in an ultrasound image, on a, on a virtual ultrasound image. Now, that blew my mind, and that was back oh, in 2014. Yeah. To tell yeah. me about this, you know these guys, right? Yeah, that's, that's uh, Boris Nitsenka from uh, University of Florida and his team. It, it, they, uh, they won a grant for that, but the amazing machine. He still uses it. I've, I've did a workshop at the ASA with him last wow. fall, and it's, a, it's an incredible sort of innovation. But I do like, I do like trainers um, or phantoms. And there's good evidence to show that if you do something as simple as, you know, a block of gel and you put an olive in the middle of this block of gel, you can accelerate their time to competency with, uh, with ultrasound guided tasks. But I am a big fan of high fidelity trainers. So it's one thing to mm -hmm. use a block of gel, but then I think it, honestly, between you and me, it gets kind of boring after, yeah. after about three or four times. Like, okay, there's the, there's the olive. I'm hitting the olive again. You're all over the olive. Sorry, no, I just, uh, you know, sorry, sorry. Never carry on, carry, carry on. Um, To have a model that, you know what? I want to learn how to do PEX blocks. Hey, here's a, here's a trainer phantom that looks 
like someone's chest wall and there's the pec major, pec minor, et cetera, et cetera. So the best ones I've ever seen are ones made by this really amazing engineer, Robert Nichols from Valkyrie. Uh, he supplies Nysora with, with those models and they, they're they uh, they're pretty cool. They've got them for every, even even geniculars. So every single block. Are they really? Of. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's got he's got one made up. He's like uh, he's like the Steve Jobs of a regional anesthesia. Like he's making these things. I, I don't think it's actually in his garage, but I, I picture him in his garage like pouring <laughs> liquid latex into these molds and and uh, and that sort of thing. And I know he's used his his wife. He takes like CT scans of his wife somehow, or I, I, don't ask me how this is done. But and then he uses those to make like their actual. He made some paravertebral models for us, and they were basically his wife's back. Um, wow. Yeah. See, now I've seen these. I haven't had a chance to get my hands on them, but um, I, I'm guessing they're not cheap. But I'm going to say something interesting. One of my regional anesthesia UK colleagues. John Womack at REUK and I saw at the joint meeting in 2022 he brought along one of his colleagues a medical student who 3D printed a spine and embedded it in some gel I tell you what so it was for it was a paravertebral trainer it was really good I agree high fidelity trainers I think are the way because that's right you can teach somebody to get all over the olive um that, well, <laughs> sorry you can teach someone to do that or or to chase a, a shoelace or a, whatever it may be a, you know a chest drain within uh, within f- phantoms but it's not real life it, or it's not close to real life but if you can teach somebody um and you know use artificial intelligence get them to highlight the anatomy and then say right now I'm going to get you to needle the same thing on this thing and actually if the phantom looks like the real thing hey that's almost as good as doing the block yeah, you know, there's there's some phantoms you can actually inject into, and of course we have meat models. In fact, in fact, in North Carolina, mate, we what we do here is we'll take a big old piece of pork butt and then we'll <laughs> stick a stick a needle in it, and instead of saline or local anesthetic, we'll use barbecue sauce. <laughs> and uh, when we're done when we're done with the pork butt at the end of the workshop, we'll just we'll just throw that sucker right on the grill and uh yeah you're killing two birds with one stone man this is this is that efficiency is, are you serious no but i wish <laughs> I, I wish one of these days there. one of oh these days gosh. that would be brilliant i would love to <laughs> that would be brilliant okay <laughs> oh my gosh okay i've got one more cool thing that i've seen to so the same company that we talked about intelligent ultrasound they have a needle trainer now check this out you uh, stick uh, an ultrasound probe on a neck and you generate an image and then they've got this virtual needle uh, it's like one of those fake swords so you know it contact with the skin and the sword retracts into the body this is the same device so you, you've got the whole like this pen thing with a with a retractable or a compressible point and then you place that probe that fake needle on the skin and you'll get an image on the screen that will show you exactly your needle coming into the image so as you push the needle on the skin it retracts into the body but on the ultrasound image you see this virtual needle ah, it goes so in it's okay. like doing a block on somebody without ever doing a block on somebody <laughs> i can see the I, prank potential here like that completely <laughs> completely ah i've impaled myself but no i haven't but do you know what so i had a play with this a very quick play and i think this could be one of the ways that you could address you know you might work in a center where they don't necessarily do a lot of paravertebral blocks or paravertebral blocks um, and you might want to you, you've got the know-how to teach it and you might want your trainees to have a play at doing it this would be a great way to start someone along that path so 
I think this is a perfect example of where technology is taking us that will ultimately benefit our trainees and our, and our colleagues that are wanting to learn more regional. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, it reminds me of something else I've seen. I am, there's a company called Izano and oh, yeah. they, they have, they make an ultrasound machine that was one of the first to have this sort of needle trajectory prediction tool. So you could sort of they use a magnetized needle and um, as you get close to the probe, it would show you where your needle was going to cross the beam and where it was going to intersect with the tissues at different different depths and that sort of thing, which is, which is really, really so amazing. Could, at, yeah. So what, how does it work? So as, as you make contact with the skin, it would show you if you were to carry on going in that trajectory where you'd end up. Yeah, and is so it, you, could, you could actually touch the skin and then sort of wiggle the needle around and see the uh, lightsaber, for lack yeah. of a better term, there's a and lot of Star and, Wars Star and stick Wars with the Star Wars theme. Yeah. You can see the lightsaber sort of wiggle around in the tissues, and then and it, when it's, as it crossed the the intended target, you can say, "Okay, that's my trajectory. I'm going to sort of drive it in now." But more than that, it gave you a, a three dimensional sense as well. So it, it it changed color as you were getting closer out of plane, so that you could say, "Okay." I'm about to see my needle tip, about to see my needle tip. Ooh. There it is. There's my needle tip. So that's that's cool. So that's been around since at least 2013 that I can think of, But what, which is really neat. And I think of, of that type of technology has been adopted by or licensed to other other ultrasound manufacturers. Very cool. But what I, what I saw and have played with in the last year that also came from Izano was a fake ultrasound probe that connects, looks and feels like an ultrasound probe connects up to a laptop with a USB port and then you can use a, a same magnetized needle and you can simulate any tissue using their app so you know pecs esp whatever what and then you can practice either in midair or you can get a piece of meat or just a, a regular old gel block that doesn't have the high fidelity and it looks like on the screen that you're actually you know driving the needle in that is nuts that is nuts totally and to me the, the advantage there is that you've got uh, a fake ultrasound probe that's costs i think it's 500 dollars versus having to buy a twenty thousand dollar ultrasound machine and we can send these home with our trainees and say take this home for a week do plug this into your laptop and when you come back in a week, you're going to be so good at driving needles and finding your needle that you, I don't have to take you through 30 actual blocks on a real patient. Oh, my goodness. That is incredible. I love that. I really yeah. love that. Very and, cool. And that's, I, so I, I want to get my hands on that. No, I, I, I've seen, um, I definitely want to get my hands on that. That's put me off my, my where I was going. But now, so I'll tell you what I have seen. So I've seen this needle visualization software on a lot of um, on a lot of machines, and I have to be honest. So needle tracking or needle enhancing stuff, I, I don't always like it because often you'll turn it on and it may degrade the rest of the image just you know just to sacrifice seeing the needle or to increase that field of view. But what I have seen is some of this. Um, so I think Philips machines in, in partnership with Bebra, and there's something called OnVision. So they allow you, with using their needles, to, to visualize the needle tip. Now, again, the in-plane thing, there are pros and cons to whether or not that's valid. But out-of-plane, I think that's a game-changer because a lot of the times we go through tips and tricks for how we should make sure we don't miss our needle tip. But this definitely gives you that degree of confidence. You're like, okay, that's red, so I'm getting close, but that's not the needle tip. Boom, that's green. I know that's a needle tip. And I did have one situation with an in-plane technique. So I had a trainee who was very 
early on in his paravertebral training and we didn't get a great view but we were using the OnVision stuff and it was showing me that his, his needle tip was near. So he knew exactly what he needed to do, to, to what angle he needed to move the needle to bring it in because it went red, 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 green. And then we saw the needle tip and then he proceeded with the block. So I think there is a potential to use it. I don't like the idea of being reliant on technology to identify your needle. I think that's one potential disadvantage if you work in an institution that uses this needle tip technology the whole time and then you go somewhere that doesn't have it then of course you'll lose that crutch but i think it has an advantage potentially have you what do you think about that totally yeah i i um i have used the on vision i actually uh, i gave a talk at azra last spring uh about sort of new technology and that was i showed a video of an an, an in-plane pang block that was oh i was there i thought so, that was a great talk oh thank you so <laughs> So steep, so steep that you couldn't really see the needle that well. But the OnVision helped, you know, track that needle tip down to the bone and, and it was all good. We, I, your point about education is really, really good one. We presented, we did some work back in New York um, with my fellows and we presented this as, a, as an abstract at ASRA. So we took complete novices. They were actually internal medicine interns. So they weren't right. anesthesiology people. Internal medicine interns gave them an ultrasound guided task and we trained half of them with the needle tracking and half of them without. And and then we sort of gave them a week to sort of, you know, just go away and then came back and then we said, oh, here's a different ultrasound guided task. It's not the one you've been practicing, but let's see how well you can do it. And the people that had trained on the needle guidance system did significantly better. So there's something that it, it helps you learn better, even in the absence of using it for the actual procedure you want to use it for. Well, there you go. Well, then that's well, that's fabulous because you obviously learn and appreciate the muscle memory and you can adapt. But even without the cue of telling you where the needle tip is, I mean, that's that's fascinating. Well, listen, I don't know about you, Jeff, but I'm kind of my mind is buzzing and with all of these different technologies that are out there. And I'm just trying to imagine uh, what we've what was left to come. Looking forward, what would you like to get your hands on next? I'm talking about technology, nothing else. What would you like to get your hands on next? <laughs> Obviously, I want a robot that does my job for me so I can sit at home in my in my robe and slippers drinking a coffee and say robot do the block can somehow somebody work on this do you know what it's not going to be long i'm sure you've seen but, but is, <laughs> is, is there is there anything else you know i, I think i would want to get my hands on this this google glass thing that projects the ultrasound or whatever the ult, projects the ultrasound image ahead of me that would be what i want to get my hands on anything you particularly want to get get funky with as they say i think i want well lots lots i want to get funky with <laughs> Uh, that's a different show. Um, the VR stuff, I think that's really cool. I want to, yeah. I want to give that a go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds that will that will fit in nicely with your Jute Rap uh, mission for the next uh, the next five years. So that's right, cool. Right. Well, listen, we want you guys uh, to let us know what you think. If you've had a play with a uh, with a cool piece of kit and you want to tell us about it and share it with us, please hit us up on our social media. So we've got a few ways they can get in contact with us, right? So we, I'm going to go first this time because you always get the easy stuff. <laughs> so you can contact us at uh, Twitter with at blockit underscore hot underscore pod what else we got jeff oh we got uh, we got the insta we got block underscore it underscore like underscore it's underscore hot <laughs> yes <laughs> i gave you that one uh, and we've we've also got youtube 
at Block It Like It's Hot. So please send us videos, send us photos, give us questions, give us comments. Use the hashtag, hashtag Block It Like It's Hot without the apostrophe and get involved with conversations online. So what have we got to say? I think we've got, we've got to tell there's only one thing we end the episode with, right, Jeff? Every time. Till next time, we hope you all block it like it's hot. <laughs>